And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and welcome to the final handbrake off for this season brought to you as always by The Athletic. Now, earlier on, I had a chat with Art de Rocher about the women's team and we also had a chat about the under 23s and we'll play that out a bit later in the show. But we've got a lot to get through today and get through it. We must uh, to do that. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Morning. <laughs> Morning. Uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of what I think we can agree was a pretty emotionally draining season, we thought we'd ask our guests to describe the season or at least some aspect of it in three words. Now, we did actually uh, get James McNicholas, uh, who can't be here this morning, uh, to do that. And I think we've got a little voice note that we can play out now. Uh, not to sidestep the issue of our final league position, but my three words for the season would be fans came back in a literal sense. The fans back in the stadium again, which was so welcome and so fantastic, but also the re-engagement, the re-energising of the Arsenal supporters, the connection that has been rediscovered between them and the team. So, yeah, I think when I reflect on this year, uh, in the future, fans came back. We'll sum it up. Yeah, that was actually way more than three words, wasn't it, really? <laughs> he had to contextualise what he'd said. But I get the point. Fans did come back. Uh, Amy, what about you? What have you got as a three words for our season? Or some aspect of it? Not enough goals. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you know what? Beautifully succinct. Adrian, what about I'm you? Glad, yeah, I'm glad because I think we're going to cover all of the bases here because <laughs> mine is uh, good window, bad. As in, we had a good window, <laughs> we had a bad window. Um, so, um, yeah, if you chuck that in with the goals and the fans, we're, we're, we're kind of, yeah, a lot of it's there in nine words. Okay, no, 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 that's fair enough. Uh, I was actually thinking of going, of, of doing uh, Never Play Cedric. <laughs> that's three words. Oh, it is. just got a great goal. Think, yeah, but we have basically done the season in 12 words there. <laughs> 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 we could have had Tavares there as well, by the way, at certain points. But um, we'll get to all of that. Uh, yes. Anyway, we are going to do a sort of season re- re- a review. Uh, we'll have a little chat. Arsenal 5, Everton 1 yesterday. Uh, sunny. And I think pretty happy Emirates. And the season finishes with us in fifth place. Uh, slightly otherworldly atmosphere, I think. Um we won't dwell too long on yesterday's game, but I'll ask you both. Should Nuno Tavares be fined £1,000 every time he cuts inside and shoots? All right? It's just a general question there because uh, he obviously doesn't have a right foot, as far as I can tell. The second one was closer than the first one. It's funny because he scored. The first goal he scored was in pre-season, cutting in on his right foot against Glasgow Rangers. Do you remember it? And uh, and it was one of those things that I think he talked about it afterwards, saying, oh, this is something I do really well. But <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that happened. Um, but no, yeah, he, he, yeah, he's not the best with the blasters with his right foot, is he? That's for sure. No, uh, he's I, not. Yeah, when I talked about good window, bad, Probably the, out of the summer signings, which which was overwhelmingly a really good window because of Erdegaard, Ramsdale, Tommy Asu White. I think Tavares is the one where there's a big, big question mark over whether he's up to it long term for Arsenal. But yeah. Yeah, we can, we can get to that. Um, a lot of goodbyes yesterday, Amy. People waving. I was trying to work out whether they're waving... Uh, in a sort of just a goodbye way, see you next season or just a thank you. And uh, it's been a pleasure and I'm off to Pastors New now. Um, I was looking for clues. Did you see anything that might have um, 
point that might point us in a particular direction? Not really. No. Uh, I think that, you know, there wasn't anything particularly emphatic. And uh, I think it was maybe notable. Well, I think when Lacazette came on. There were a lot of Lacazettes, weren't there? <laughs> I think. And All that, shapes there, and there's, sizes. There's, there's definitely a family resemblance. <laughs> there's a lot of Odegaards as well, I noticed. Yes, actually, I saw them outside the ground. I saw these four Nordic um, strapping lads who all had brand new Erdegaard 8 shirts on and took a photo of them thinking, because it was quite picturesque, actually, the way they were standing outside the stadium. And um, then when I saw them on the pitch, I thought, aha, okay, I get it now. Probably, probably not just standard tourists. Aha uh, is uh, aha. Of course, are a Norwegian oh, band. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> trying that <laughs> on the breakdown live. I was a bit of a misery guts actually um, really? afterwards when we because we, we sort of screened the, a little bit of the lap of appreciation. I, I got on a bit of a high horse saying too many people, too many brothers, sisters, grandmas, there were grandmas, too many people. Like yeah. just just have your kids. Like that that'll do. It's too good. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. In fact, just a, a minor point. But um, somebody pointed out that, uh, oh, it's Thomas Partey looking at it. And I was like, because he was in civvies. I don't know if you spotted him, but he didn't actually yes, did. have his kit on, which I thought was unusual. If we're looking for clues and body language, you see, this is the trouble with overanalyzing this stuff we know absolutely bollocks all about. But anyway, um, uh, and, and I didn't notice him. Because there were so many people about, a lot of them in, you know, not players, that actually someone standing around in a suit. I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that's the midfielder that Arsenal have missed terribly over these last... Missed terribly. And, of course, we will talk about uh, all of that. And one more thing. Actually, you know what? We've sort of done the game. I mean, who cares? We beat Everton. (laughs) Who who cares? I mean, essentially, let's be fair. We were were enjoying ourselves because it was a nice day and we're banging in goals. Everton fans are happy because Liverpool haven't won the title. No one was really that bothered. And we managed to abuse Deli Alley. I mean, what's not to like about... (laughs) To be honest, he gave a little wry smile at the end of the game when we were sort of giving him the bird. And uh, I liked him a bit more for that. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he desperately wanted to buy it back, didn't he? Um, he did. The trouble yeah, was, yeah. he was having an absolute stinker. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's how not can you buy it. it back when you're having having that kind of a game? Yeah. He's not up to it anymore. I'm watching. I'm watching Bukayo Saka just making him look. It was like England's past and England's future. There it is, mm. really. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, we we uh, we we gave Frank Lampard a tough day, so that was enjoyable, and uh, and we won five one in the sunshine, and it was all very nice, but it wasn't enough to get us into fourth place. Our job, my job, is to squeeze the lemon as much as I possibly can. Let's do our review of the season. If I had to sum it up, I would say better than we thought it might be before the season started. An absolute triumph if we consider where we were after three games, but slightly disappointing if you think about where we were six weeks ago. Amy, a couple of times when I asked you about particular aspects of the work we did this season, you said, judge us in May. Well, Mm. here we are. Let's not get into specifics, but what's your overriding feeling about what you've watched over the last nine months? Well, (laughs) 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 I think think it's actually, you're right in that it's quite hard to wrap up easily because there were so many contrasting and conflicting periods of the season. Uh, And even the ending is conflicting uh, and complex as well. So it's, it's a bit of a struggle to say, ah, okay, the season was blah and that it all feels nice and clean and that people would broadly agree with you. I mean, I made the (laughs) grave error this morning on Twitter just just uh, relating to uh, what James was saying is picking out the kind of the atmosphere uh, uh, amongst the the fans and this new synergy and energy that you can feel between the club and and the, and the, the the punters and you talked about it in a piece day. as well didn't yeah, you yeah but yeah. but i made the error of saying something like um you know the age of the divided fan base is gone like this new sort of unity uh, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I tell what? you what, I had no sleep all weekend. I, I was a wretch. Sent out this tweet, and I don't think I'll be going anywhere near Twitter for you know maybe till next season. I think, judging by the response, but uh, it, 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 you know, there has been, I think, a, a, a generally speaking, going to matches, a sense that people are 
hooked on what's going on. That's not to say that it's not been disappointing in the end. And that's not to say that if you have a top four and a chance of finishing above that lot in your hands and then you fumble it, that it's acceptable or enjoyable because no one is going to think that in their right minds. But I I think one of the things that was noticeable about the, the, the atmosphere against Everton was how much everybody was behind the team. And after two absolute, you know, horrific body blows at, at Tottenham and Newcastle, some people questioned what, you know, what what it might feel like. But I think it was quite important that there was a, a positive feeling for the end of the season that reflects, OK, the prize wasn't the prize everyone wanted. But if you can't sense that Arsenal are, are, are improving, I don't know what your expectations are. I find that difficult. And I, this is not a conversation about the manager. And I know that, you know, there isn't complete agreement about that, but it's a more general global feeling about the fact that I think the club feels like a happier, more united place than it has done for quite some time. And that pleases me. And so I think you can say, oh, it's such a weird one because, you know, people want a yes, no, black and white answer. Has it been a good season? Has it been a successful season? You know, is it not good enough? Is it good enough? Well, it is what it is, but I think fifth place in the Europa League is is a, a return that this group of players at this current time has to regard as 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 a as a step in the right direction. I agree, and I agree. And Adrian, do you think it's do you think part of that the, the atmosphere at the Emirates yesterday because it was positive? Do you think it's mm. the, basically that young younger fans? bounce back quicker, basically. They don't have all that baggage that they think about, oh, it's all going wrong. They just go, no, let's travel, hopefully, which is what uh, younger people do. It's a good it's a good point, yeah. I mean, there, it does seem like there's sort of next gen of fans are, are getting themselves tickets for the games. You know, is it the Ashburton Army in the clock end? I think they make yes. a really, really good noise. I've, I've, I've loved their, the part that they've played in the atmosphere inside the ground. And yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I, I talked about it in the show yesterday. I, I just said, look, what's gone is gone. Let's just enjoy the last day and make it the best it can be. And that's what the team did. My overriding emotions of the season conflicted the same as same as Amy. Two words, really. Regret, because we blew it with two terrible displays. We had two shots at glory and we blew it, but also optimism. And, and I think that's probably the overriding emotion at the end of the season is that I am optimistic that the team is going in the right direction and we're on that upward curve and that, and that we'll stay there. And the regret will fade, one would hope, uh, in the next few weeks. Amy, you want to talk about the Ashburton Army a little bit? Yeah, um, yeah. just picking up on that point, Adrian, um, the Ashburton Army uh, really interests me. I noticed them, it was impossible to ignore them really uh, at the game. There are a group of young fans that position themselves in the back of the clock end lower tier and they're quite a, a raucous bunch that are going to sing non-stop. They started up with that Ale 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 song uh, in the second half and it went on for about 20, 25 minutes. And it's great when you get a song that just keeps going and keeps going and keeps building. And they're all twirling their, t- their T-shirts around their heads, bare-chested, jumping up on the seats. And when Safe Standing comes in, it's going to be areas like that that have the benefit. And it reminded me of the clock end at Highbury because... I think the most critical element of all, because Arsenal have been at the Emirates for 15 years or so now, and they've tried with that corner section in the North Bank, or I think Red Action are, to try and get a bit of an area going. But because you're right behind the goal and because you're next to the away fans, and that's the key, it attracts a certain element who just want it to be that little bit edgier. And it's working. I mean, they are at the heart of... There's a new vibe over there, thanks to them. And and it reminds me a little bit of old school clocking. And and following on from that point then, because I was going to talk about some of the positives for the season, um, that, and we are talking about the connection between the fans and the players. I saw Aaron Ramsdale at the end... I mean, he got he got a massive round of applause all the way round the ground. But that that bit in the clock end was where there was a real connection, and I feel like he's been talking to them the whole season, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? And goalkeepers he does, and they should. love him. Yeah, exactly. I think goalkeepers, you know, it's normal for them to have sort of bigger personalities, and they have that interaction with the supporters. And and Ramsdale really sort of rides on that 
on that, I think. So, yeah, no, he's been a great positive. That connection, home and away, has been awesome. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 is the, that is the biggest positive. I think the kids look mustard. <laughs> you know, that's another big, big positive. Uh, what else? I mean, uh, the signings are good, as I've touched on. From a tactical point of view, I'd say the biggest positive is chance creation. Last season, now it's easy to forget things like this, but last season we, 10 teams created more chances than Arsenal. We were not good to watch. We were not imaginative. We were not creative. We were a little bit football by numbers. This season, we've <laughs> let the handbrake off a little bit and we've and we've played with more of those qualities and uh, we're ranked fourth for shots this season which equates to chances created so um yeah we're we're we that's the big step forward for me in terms of we are we are more creative the finishing bit is one of the big negatives well, but we won't go there <laughs> we'll, get, well no but we will talk about uh, some of the downsides uh, any other positives you wanted to add uh, amy before we move on from that really i mean el nenny having stepping in maybe or or or, or uh, granite jacker there was a lovely round of applause for him when he came off, uh, uh, you know, and I and it almost felt like... I thought there this... was a lovely round of applause for him when he decided to get involved with Deli Alley. That was really... <laughs> there was that him. as well, but but also he did get involved with him, but not to the point where, he, where you thought he might get sent off here, which I liked. Let's talk about the manager. Would you say it's a good season for the manager, Amy, or again, is that too simplistic? Do you... I mean, he looked absolutely gutted. Even yesterday, he was still talking about the pain of the Newcastle game, but... He's obviously got a new contract. He's trusted by the hierarchy. The fans are singing songs about him. That never happened with Unai Emery. He's he's more in the job at the moment. I mean, obviously, these things can change very, very quickly. But right now, he is definitely our manager, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been strides made in that relationship between him and the fan base because, you know, for that first couple of years, he didn't really have a song. There wasn't that same... You could you, you sense that... They didn't really know each other that well, if that makes sense. Uh, and their trust wasn't quite there. And I think we that's won the cup without the fans. You know, the big thing yeah, that, that's the, true. The, that's true. the big achievement was done in an empty stadium, wasn't it? Mm. Where you couldn't sort of be there to admire it. I mm. think that, that definitely impacted it at the start. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that this season, um, you know, there, are, there have been moments where. Uh, it might not have felt like it from inside the club where the hierarchy have obviously shown him tremendous backing all the way through, particularly in the difficult moments. But obviously the first three games, the uh, the trio of disastrous performances uh, in the last, uh, it was around about uh, 10 games to go, whatever it was, um, Palace, Southampton and Brighton. The Aubameyang decision, which looms very large on how anyone wishes to judge this season, particularly as we've discussed that goals for has been a problem, and you know the the it not you know falling short close to the last, you know these are difficult difficult moments, and I think I'm interested, and we'll find out a little bit more next season how much he and the club learn from that. Yeah, you know, people. A lot of people say it's a young team, it's a young manager, it's young executives, etc. Why is he learning on the job? You know, why are the executives maybe learning on the job? They've got to learn. Or, you know, they're in the job, and if they're not learning, that's the problem. So I think you get, uh, you should have, hopefully, a little bit of leeway, but up to a point. So well, quite, yeah. it, you know. <laughs> The, the kind of streakiness, as it's been called, of Arsenal seasons, that's got to be better next season. It's got to be. And whatever they do in the market or whatever decisions they make, however the squad is moulded and everybody expects there to be some change this summer, that's got to be done with a view to a bit more equilibrium uh, and a bit and that, that level being a bit further up all round. Well, I mean, it has it has risen, hasn't it? I mean, we're essentially streaky at a slightly higher level than we used to be uh, uh, for the last couple of years, which is something. But this is what I want to come on to, Adrian. This whole thing about Arteta, Mikel Arteta came in, and one of the things he was charged with was was essentially changing the culture of the club, changing it. it so we're not accepting, even though we want to get fourth place, we're not accepting a fourth place. We want to go higher than that, and it felt like. 
that's what he was that's what he's been trying to do and i think to a certain extent he has done it but yet again we fell at the final hurdle which is something we've been doing quite a bit in the last few years so exactly. yeah. it's a qualified uh, it's 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 uh, it's a qualified yes you've done well isn't it yeah it really is i'm conflicted myself too many defeats really to 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 say 13. he's had a he's had a good seat you know a very good seat you can't say that really when you've lost that many games 13 games you know just a you know a few more draws and would have got over the line there so and in games we were unable to turn around our fortunes were we so I think we saw it didn't we with with Manchester City on the final day Pep Guardiola made some big calls in the second half and it turned it around tactic from a tactical point of view and City win the league Jurgen Klopp has time and again this season made tactical changes from the bench that have influenced matches in a positive way both managers have got more on the bench Clearly, they've got better talent available way to more. them. Way, yeah, way, way, way more. So, so that you have to qualify that. But, but I think from his point of view, if you're looking for an area of improvement, it it has to be that the football's better to watch now. The kid, he's helped to develop the kids. They've they've improved. Um, so yeah, there's there've been pluses and minuses. I think, and yeah, he's he's doing okay. I think I think it'd probably be a stretch to say too much beyond that. He's doing he's doing okay. He is. Um, uh, Amy, you talked about it last week. Um, we all feel, don't we, that not signing someone in January was was really a major turning point this season? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, in that magical kind of if-only land, uh, <laughs> if if Thomas Partey and the two fullbacks had stayed fit, the two first-choice fullbacks, I should stress, for the second half of the season, and if a solution had presented itself, which meant that a striker got to at least double figures. Yeah. If not more, which all is what it would you have would taken. want from a, a you know, because the return from the, the, the four uh, youngsters who operate around the striker has been really very, very good. You know, uh, most teams won't have been getting that much goal contribution from their, you know, their sort of supportive attack players, I don't think. And considering their age, that's remarkable. And they need to build on that and take that one step further. But come on, you need at least to be looking at a, a roughly 20 goal a season man or contribution from whoever, you know, the men are that, that mostly play up front. Eddie and Ketia was our top forward goal scorer with mm. five goals. Yeah, but he didn't have that many starts, did he? So, no, you know, no, no, I'm not having a go at him. him. I'm not having a go at him. I'm just saying that was from fact. about it's 10 starts. Yeah. It's 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 not good enough. So we know that we, you know, just signing a striker and maybe a backup midfielder would have been all it would have taken to get us into the Champions League. Go on, Adrian, you want to add No, I was just going to say, we, without a striker, really, because uh, I'm not saying that in a, in a harsh manner, but without no. a regular goal scorer, we finished one point behind Spurs, so one point off the top four. So, so that is probably a reason to give you heart and encouragement in a way, even though of obviously we we all feel a little bit well, very frustrated that we didn't address that situation. And Amy, also, you did say I remember you saying in January there was one was judges in May, two was oh, we've we've taken a massive chance here not signing anyone, but you also mentioned the injuries, and I I have to say I think we were unlucky with injuries. I look at the top four players that we lost uh, to injury. Uh, Three of them long term, really, was uh, Thomas Partey, Kieran Tierney, and uh, and uh, Tommy Asu, and also Ben White as well. That's essentially our defence, aside from Gabriel. That's and and I'm talking about Partey being covered for the defence as well. So we were unlucky with injuries in key positions, weren't we? Yeah, I think if we could have all chosen some slightly different players to be injured. We would have have maybe... I know who you would have chosen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, but I I see that. It's just the way it goes. But we did lose them in in all similar positions, all the defensive part of the uh, the game. Which is why having having good, stronger backups is so important. You look at Liverpool, Simicast coming for Robertson, not a big difference. Gomez coming in for Alexander-Arnold, not that big a difference. You know, two, two of the best fullbacks in world football really yet the cover was was such that 
it wasn't disastrous. I think from our end, the cover was was not strong enough. And yeah, that that is something hopefully that will be addressed moving forward. Amy? But one of the one of the things they do have to think about as well in that regard is you know the whole notion of cover because the the three main players that were missing have a something about them that makes you wonder if they are injury prone and if you're ever going to get a complete season. It's one thing asking your cover players to come in and, you know, odd games here and there, or maybe a one or three or whatever it is, but we're talking half a season. Can I just that's add... That's the well, bigger issue for me that needs real consideration in terms of who they choose for cover. Yeah, but that's not just about those players, by the way. Thomas Partey basically never missed a game for Atletico Madrid in about seven seasons that he played for him. So I think the club, you know, if we're, if we're talking about a learning process here for how to be better, the club also have to look at what they're doing as well. We get, and we we seem to, for the last 15 years, get more muscle injuries than a lot of other clubs. Adrian, do you, do you think that is the case or is it just seem that way? I mean... <sighs> The truth is, I don't know. No. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not a medical expert. I, I really don't. Really don't know. What I do know, and what is factual, is that Arsenal didn't play as many games as a number of the other big clubs. This Forty-five season. games. Yeah, Forty-five so, in total. Yeah. So, so that shouldn't. You know, fatigue really shouldn't have come into it. I think mental fatigue definitely played its part towards the end on the young players. That's normal. That's to be. Yeah. expected I think because they're just not accustomed to going again three days three days to to come back you know mentally sharp and ready it wasn't even three days though was it it was seven days it was almost yeah a week but I suppose it's the I, yeah it's not so much the time that it's more pressure so it's dealing yeah. with one high pressure game and then the next game's high pressure it's just all new to them and yeah. and that much was that was a little bit too much in the end wasn't it so um, yeah, I, d- I don't know about the medical medical side of it, genuinely. All of those that they employ a lot of people, a lot of very clever people to get these things right. And it doesn't always go to plan. You know, you put players pull muscles. It, it It's always happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk more about the first team in a bit. Uh, we're going to give out a, qu- a few quickfire awards. Uh, but as I said, I caught up with Art earlier to reflect on the academy and the women's team seasons. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. This is Handbrake Off. Let's have a chat now with Art de Rocher, who's here to talk about the academy and the women's teams. Good morning, Art. Um, morning, Ian. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Do you know what? The reports back have been mainly positive, so we thought we'll give you another go. Uh, <laughs> mainly. Uh, yeah, no, I, listen, we don't have to get into that now, okay? We'll, we'll talk about that at your appraisal. <laughs> um, no, no, you're doing fine. All oh, right, let's talk the academy first, because this is the talent that we're going to see in the men's team in the coming years, um, or hopefully. Uh, they finished third in the league. I mean, was it seen as a good season? Does it actually matter where they finish? Is it more about player development? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it does matter to a certain extent, considering last season they finished 10th and they just about stayed in the division. So they obviously would have wanted uh, a big kind of uh, increase in quality from, from that season. And they did get that, I think. In terms of where they finish, it probably doesn't matter too much if we're being honest. I think they won they won the league a few seasons back. That was Eddie and Ketty's age group. Uh, so Joe Willock was in there as well. 
Um, How old are these kids? So most of them are 18, around 18, 19. So it is under 23s, but most of them will be quite young. I think I think Arsenal's team had maybe, it was among the youngest in, in the division. Um, but yeah, I think it is more about developing those players and just kind of showing them, I guess, things to expect for when they j- make the jump into first team football, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Well, we've seen a few of them on the bench. They haven't. There haven't actually been that many who've actually stepped up and made it onto the pitch. But I, I mean, it can't be. I mean, in the end, it's not. Can you buy players in, or is it, or is it just the academy players you've got who you're bringing through? No, so you can, I guess, buy players in if you want to put it that way. So if you look at the under twenty threes team from this season, you've got players like Omar Rakic, who's a centre back, who is not a Hayland product. Uh, was bought from her for Berlin, I think, maybe eighteen months ago, right. something like that. So you can, and there are other examples of players who are bought by Arsenal quite late, as in close to their 20s, say around 17, 18 years old, and then play in the 23s before kind of making their steps into first team football. Um, But then you will have players, say like Charlie Patino and Omari Hutchinson, who have been uh, at Arsenal since they were kids. So there is that blend of players, obviously, they all kind of, most will count towards the homegrown kind of status if they're uh, signed early enough. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you do kind of get that mix in there. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of the players that we hope to see. I mean, uh, Charlie Patino was obviously, I think, the standout, wasn't he? Especially when he scored against, what was it, Sunderland in the uh, in the yeah. League Cup. What a great moment. What I mean, I was at that game and... Uh, and, and you really felt that sort of youthful thing going on with the crowd, obviously being a, with it being a league cup games, a lot more kids there than normally there would be. But then he comes on, everyone's singing his name and he scores a really beautiful, just side foot finish. And um, is he the one that people should look out for? Uh, who are the others? Yeah, I think he's the one with the most, I guess, anticipation around him, just because I think even if you think back to the League Cups before the Sunderland game, there was a lot of, I guess, expectation among supporters that he would at least be in the squad. Of course, he wasn't. But I'd say, yeah, he's probably the one where you see, I guess, the talent and also just getting used to being around the first team squad. He's been in training for a a long while throughout the season. Um, And then he just was a little bit, had, had a few months on the sidelines, um, not performance-based. And then outside of that, you've got um, players in quite a few positions, really. Um, so if if we're looking at the defence, then Omar Rekic was quite key for the yeah. 23s in terms of being able to play out from the back in, in the first half of the season, especially. Then if you want to go a bit further up the pitch uh, into midfield, you've also got... Miguel Aziz, who obviously was on loan at Portsmouth for the first half of the year. And he's and then, asked, he's asked, I, I read a piece with him or a little piece with him uh, talking about uh, how he wants first team football next season. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, how likely um, is that? Well, actually, yeah. that's not really a question to ask him, really. <laughs> but I mean, he's a good, he's obviously a prospect. And uh, I, I guess it, he'll get a chance that we, we do have Europa League in the men's team next year. So uh, there are possibilities. Yeah. And he did actually make his debut for Arsenal in the Europa League. So now what he's probably two years older than he was then. Um, so you may, you'd hope that if he does stay at Arsenal, then opportunities do come there. But he did say he wants to play the whole season in men's football. So if that's the case, then I guess it probably depends on how much, incoming business Arsenal do in the summer in terms of midfielders because I think we've all seen this season that they need quality and depth in that in yeah. that area in particular uh, as well as experience front. and possibly experience as well which he yeah. wouldn't of course offer um you did an interview with Kevin Betsy I remember you were on the uh, program on the show earlier this season talking about it uh, and he talked about that I remember we we chatted about the development of players and it's and it's about trying to do the right things it's not necessarily about results. 
Yeah, so I think it's quite interesting with those midfield players in particular. So for those who, I guess, haven't followed the 23s, they don't play the exact same system or formation as the first team. Sometimes they'll play in a back three, sometimes they'll play in a back four. And the main reason for that is to give them exposure to both. But within that, the principles stay the same. So they will still look to play out from the back and and build through the pitch with the ball on the floor. So with that, you see, I think with the midfielders in particular, like Charlie Patino, Miguel Z, Salah, Aludem Hand, they will play different roles throughout a game. So at one moment, they may be the person receiving the ball off a goalkeeper. The next, maybe five minutes later, they may be the player who's breaking into the final third or making that pass into the final third. So it's all about having that variety, I think, and yeah. uh, making sure those players are adaptable and malleable to be able to, to I guess, adhere to whatever tactical demands are put on them when they the, when they make the step up to the first team, even that, even if that's in a training capacity at London Colney rather than on a match day. Well, we'll see uh, who we see uh, next season from the uh, uh, the under-23s. Um, as for the women's team this season, you watched quite a lot of the games, did you not? Yeah, I, I haven't got the actual tally down <laughs> of how many games I went to, but it was a, it was a fair amount, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, and, and how would you describe the season? Because, you know, we talked the other week about the fact it's the third season in a row without a trophy, and, and yet... They finished runners-up by a point to a very, very good uh, Chelsea team with someone who is, uh, I generally agree, to be the best uh, coach in the women's game. And, uh, uh, you know, got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I mean, this was a good season for them. Yeah, it's weird. It almost parallels the men's season, but to uh, uh, another step forward, if that makes sense. So obviously they were in a title race until the final day of the season and they were in the Champions League until uh, the quarterfinals. Um, The main thing was making another step forward from last season. So their last season with Joe Montemurro in charge. And I think they did that with Jonas Edeval because I think it was very clear to everyone that he had areas that he wanted to improve. So one of those was playing out from the back under pressure. Another was how they fared against the top teams in the league. So Chelsea and Manchester City. And they they improved in both uh, aspects of that. So I think last season they didn't take any points off those teams. This year they took four points off both. So you definitely see the, the kind of improvements there. I think the main thing is obviously they just had even if they drew one more game, so that Birmingham game in January, probably they would have won the league. So very tight there. And then when you're looking on more of a European stage, I think the main thing would be how they defend as a unit and the areas they look to defend in, which I think there's been gradual progress, but you're still kind of looking for that, uh, that next step forward to come, to come next season. And I think there are a few plans in place. I watched. I watched uh, uh, quite a lot of the Champions League games. Um, I mean, Barcelona are certainly uh, uh, were certainly a step up for them. By the way, that Leon goal <laughs> was an unbelievable <laughs> shot. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it was an absolutely fantastic shot from about thirty yards into the top corner. Viv Miedema, uh signed. She played. I was looking at the stats. She played the most games. No one played twenty-two, but she played twenty-one and came on as a sub in the other one, I believe. That is a relief for the team. I mean, she is a focal point and, and she is one of the stars of women's football. And, and and to lose someone like that would have would have hurt the status of the club, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, it's major. I think if they if they lost her this summer, it maybe not totally would have undone everything of this season, but it would have made building on that much harder. I think even though, say, people wouldn't view last season as her best, she was still fairly influential, especially in the second half of the year um, where they were able to get back on track and take that title race to the final day. So I think as well, the fact that they've been able to do it so early, um, it's not even June yet, and they've been able to confirm that is is a major kind of statement because then they have the rest of the summer to kind of figure out or yeah. s- 
sort Work out what they want to do in terms of recruitment. I think still um, top scorer last season as well, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, and she she had the most assists in the, in the WSL as well. So um, you kind of get to see, I guess, more of a natural game when she's playing in that number ten role. I think um, because even though she's an amazing striker, uh, record goal scorer for the Netherlands, I think she she's always had that side to her game where she naturally drops off into that pocket. So I think having her and then Black Stenius in front is. Uh, a very good formula. And I think the main thing you'd hope is Arsenal can just build on that in the first half of the year, similar to what they did last year when Leah Williamson signed um, in the summer. And then that first half of the year was almost like a proof to her that she made the right decision to then go on and recommit. Um, So yeah, I think definitely a a major positive uh, going into the summer and hopefully they can take that momentum on uh, into the start of the season. And other positives, um, Beth Mead had a pretty good season as well. Um, quite a few goals, played well. Any Anyone else that you wanted to, uh, that you'd want to um, highlight? Uh, yeah, I think Beth Mead's probably the main one. She's my pick for player of the season, both yeah. in terms of the league and at Arsenal. Uh, I think in terms of what she offered, she was the most um, complete player in the league, being able to score goals, create chances, get assists, but also her defensive work in in that final third pressing was unrivaled, I think. In terms of Arsenal, I also thought, I guess where they probably lost the league was their absences to Leah Williamson, obviously in that kind of winter period. Yeah. Um, you just see how influential she is from centre-back, being able to create things from there. And I think it'll be interesting to see how she does in the Euros playing in midfield, because obviously that's where Serena Weigman usually plays her. Um, and as England captain, it'll just be quite interesting to see how that works. She has played in midfield for Arsenal before under Joe Montemurro, so it is an option. But um, yeah, I just wonder how that dynamic will be. And obviously I think we've spoken about her before on the podcast, but uh, Manuela Zinsberger deserves quite a big shout uh, for 13 clean sheets across the year. I think she's developed every year she's been at Arsenal. So it's quite good that Arsenal have players in almost every, every zone of the pitch that have been fairly influential. Yeah. And one more question. I mean, I've read a, a, uh, a tweet that Ian Wright did. Big supporter of the women's game, loves Viv Miedema, um and loves the women's team. And he said that the women's game, in order to progress, it needs to not have a discussion every time about how the women's game is progressing. <laughs> <Right>. and, <laughs> and I sort of understand what he's talking about, but is the big step forward now when we saw what happened with Barcelona in the Champions League, when they played, uh, was it in the Champions League when they played Real Madrid and the new yeah. camp was full, 98,000 people. In the end, in this country, that's what we need here, right? We need people to go to the games. Yeah, I think the main thing, I guess, that Ian Wright is getting to is it just needs to be viewed as normal rather than it being viewed as women's football, just viewed as football. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. I don't feel like there's any major deal in saying, oh, Arsenal did this. Obviously, people will know if you're talking about the men's or the women's team, depending on what players you're talking about. So yeah, I think the main kind of viewpoint is, okay, it's just football, get on with it, um, rather than having to celebrate every little minor detail that happens every few months. And I think when, when you get to that point, as well also I think it's been mentioned before but um people like also not criticizing things that are justifiable to be criticized as well I think when you get to a place when it uh, when you can do when people do that regularly um so say for instance in in Arsenal terms they should have beaten Birmingham <laughs> and if they did yeah, if they the did time. they would have won the league um so I think that's where you can, when you can get to a more honest place, I think is where you'd get that, that balance that you want. So I think people are getting there, but again, you just don't need to be so, or people, I say you in 
general. <laughs> um, I understand that. I wasn't taking this approach. In general uh, terms. But um, yeah, not, not everything is like the best thing ever. And not everything's the worst thing ever. So, um, so yeah, I think that's the. <laughs> you're saying thing. that to football fans. I love that you're <laughs> saying that to football fans. Thanks, Art. Uh, it's been lovely speaking to you this season, and we will. Uh, we are doing uh, a few shows in the off season, so hopefully we'll see you for one of them. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Okay, this is Handbrake Off, uh, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Our little season review, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark are here. We're going to give out a few awards for the season. Uh, let's have player of the season first. Amy? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. It's not, you know. I've changed my mind about 12 times during different points of the season. I was, I had Gabriel for ages. I think he's been really important, but I think it's hard to look past Saka. It is. It is. Even yeah. in the quieter moments, he affects games. And just purely for that that moment against Manchester United when he barged Tellers off the ball and then went round Matic in the first minute and set the tone for the entire game. I, I'm going for Saka as well. What are you having, Adrian? Yeah, I think honourable mentions for, for, for Ramsdale, um, for Gabriel, yes. for Erdegaard, but, but player of the season is Saka. Yeah, most shots, most goals, most assists. Um, he's still a kid. Yeah, he, he's been sensational. What a talent. Yeah. What a talent. And also got nominated for young player and player of the season. Goal of the season. Amy, you, you were struggling a bit here and I understand. Well, so it's just because I'm tired. And I can't, I haven't <laughs> we're really, all, we're emotionally I'm drained. A bit, I'm a bit like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, any, anything from the Tottenham home game, which was a, a real highlight, I would say. It was wonderful. Beautiful things. It was. Adrian, you mentioned that as well. And that the way that uh, Smith Rowe got away, I love that first touch of Smith Rowe to take him away and then the pull back and yeah. over with the unerring finish. It was lovely think, that moment. I think a lot of our best moments this season have been on those sort of counter-attacks, which kind of dried up a little bit, I have to say, towards the end of the season. We were we were dynamite, weren't we, on those fast breaks, turning defence into attack. That was the classic moment. I think it started with Ramsdale. We played out from the back a little bit jammily. We sort of, we sort of it was, yeah, it was moment. a bit high yeah. risk. And then and then we got it up to over. It went back and yeah, it was a lovely lovely team move. And my favourite goal though was um, was Lacazette's against um, Southampton. If you remember it again, it, st- it starts with a keeper. We beat their press and we just zigzag our way up the pitch in just glorious fashion and it ends with Lacazette scoring a rare goal um in front of the clock end in open play and yeah that was that was that was football how it should be played and uh yeah it was glorious interesting that um we talk about goal of the season and they're 
from the two strikers, the two main strikers. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot, doesn't it, when they got four goals each this season. They didn't get many, but they were good ones. Um, uh, all right. Well, well, I'm not doing that. I'm going for, um, I'm having Granit Xhaka against Manchester United. I just, I, of course, a long shot hitting the back of the net. And there's a sort of wow factor to it. But I, I, I love the atmosphere that day. I had a great day. Uh, I think all Arsenal fans did uh, to beat them. Uh, and it was a tight game, I and mean, it could have gone either way, really, that game. 3-1 sounds, it's, it was closer than that, but I thought it was a lovely moment for him. And I've uh, I've steadily grown, I'm not saying to love him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be quite hard. He's a hard guy to love, but uh, I liked his influence on the team, and I thought that was due reward uh, for what he's done the last few months of the season. Um, I... Save of the season, we all know, right? Mm. We all and we all know it was it was that is that is not just Arsenal save of the season, by the way. That is the uh, Premier League save of the season. I would say I don't think there's anything better, uh, but I think just generally for his contribution, we talked about it earlier in the pod. For his contribution to the connection between the fans and the and the team, and uh, and the way that well, he just made the defence feel a bit calmer. Yeah, I was listening to a show on TalkSport on the way back from the game and I, mean, I disagreed with a lot of what they were saying about Arsenal. And then they did a little awards section uh, about, and one of them was signing of the season and I think it was Darren Ambrose said Aaron Ramster, yeah. which, you know, out of everybody yeah. across every team. It's impressive. He, pick, he picked that out and, and yeah, I, I think it's a good shout. Whether that's the correct, the correct answer or not, I'm not sure, but... It was a it was a very good signing. Looking back on that, and yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm excited for what the future holds for for Aaron Ramsdale. It's that personality, Amy, isn't it? Really, it's just we've all connected yeah, with him. It's not just how he's uh, played pure football wise; he's become influential incredibly quickly. You know, he affects players around him. He does. Shout out for for the 60-yard pass he played to Martinelli in one of the home games. Right onto his foot and Martinelli's on the attack. And I just absolutely loved uh, love watching him play. Go on, Adrian. And, and, the, and the, the chip shot video. Yeah, he also he also, he also also played a big part <laughs> yes. in, in one of the best viral videos of the entire season. So well, yeah. well played, Aaron. Yeah, great. Uh, a couple of slightly more annoying ones. Uh, I had a stupid moment of the season, which was not one of our players being stupid, but it was uh, Gabriel Martinelli being booked twice in half a second uh, against, uh, was it Wolves away? Was it? Uh, I think they're just, was, I thought, yeah. and I know that all teams think they don't get the, uh, um, the rubber degree when it comes to decisions, but I'd also, there's an honourable mention there for Granit Xhaka getting booked and the referee pointing to four different places. And it's the first tackle he's made in the entire game. So something weird is going on, but that for me, do we have any, any moments when we just went, Oh, for Christ's sake, what are you doing? And slapped our head. Uh, either of you, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to bring it up. particularly. Uh, well, Martin, that Martin Elliott Wolves was, was the stupidest moment of the season. Not, not by him, but just in general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Like and, that. and, and not that I want to finish uh, on, on anything negative, particularly, but I'm going to. The most disappointing moment of the season as well. Um, I mean, Tottenham away was a disappointment, uh, but I, I wasn't, to wasn't totally unexpected. But um, losing away at Everton and Southampton, I mean... I think you can put them together in a collection and say it's the biggest disappointment this season was those five away games. Um, that we lost to bottom half teams, teams that ended up in the bottom half, Southampton, Brentford, Palace, Newcastle and Everton. And, and we failed to score in four of those five games as well. They were they were pretty miserable performances. And you just think, one well, win there and everything's different. So <laughs> that is, that is, that is the, 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 yeah, for me, that is the biggest disappointment, that little group, that cluster of games. Oh, does my head in. <laughs> Amy's just nodding. Yeah, I think you've got it. If only you could see Amy's face right now. Yeah. <laughs> She's very forlorn. Yeah. Well, when you said at this point, I was going to say there's 13 to choose from, but actually it's, um, it's yeah, it's just five in particular. But yeah, we started with three words. I'd probably mm. go for three words to end and say White Hart Lane because let's face it, it's mm. always a, the the most awful place to to not show up. 
Yeah, okay, fair enough. By the way, if you want to, uh, all of those disappointing moments, as well as the good moments you talk about, can be seen on Amazon Prime. Oh, yes. <laughs> At some When's point. It out? When's it out? Uh, all or nothing. I actually don't know, but it's pretty soon, I believe, uh, if you want to relive it. Uh, I'm probably going to take a moment before I start watching that. Uh, but anyway, it will all be on Amazon Prime. Let's then, before we go, have a song to end, a song for the season. Amy, do you have a song for us for I, the season? Uh, uh, you know when something just pops into your head and you thought, "Cool, I've not heard, I've not thought of that song or heard it in decades." Yeah, I was just watching out the last five minutes of the game against Everton and the Emirates, and sort of, you know, twiddling my thumbs a bit, and uh, <laughs> and <laughs> well, not really, but uh, Captain Sensible, glad it's all over. just popped into my head from somewhere and I thought yeah it's that feeling of like right we've done we've done this one okay we've had enough now it's you know it is what it is let's let's move on and get better okay uh uh, all right Adrian what have you got do you know what similar vibe for me really uh because I think we're all feeling a little bit regret a little bit annoyed that we didn't quite get over the line in the way that we wanted to and obviously that 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 lot up the road of uh, crowing at the moment. So I think we've got to shake it off. That's a bit of Taylor Swift. <laughs> shake it off <laughs> this summer. Just shake it off, and we'll come back stronger in August, and hopefully learn from learn from the errors of our ways. And back in Europe, by the way, yeah. back in Europe after finishing eighth twice in a row. Um, I'm I'm having no regrets by the Walker brothers because I have no regrets. I've enjoyed this season. I would go as far as to say that I've enjoyed this season as much as any season at the Emirates. I mean, I genuinely mean that, right? I, and I have no regrets about I mean, obviously, it would have been nice if we'd beaten Tottenham and Newcastle, but uh, we didn't. But we finished fifth and forward and onward. Sorry, I'm looking at your faces when I'm doing this. It's actually, you're going, well, really? It's, 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 it's great you enjoyed this season so much because yeah. you can watch it again and again and I again. Can. Coming I up can. soon. You can <laughs> relive got... it all as many times as you want. You're a better person fa- than me. I've got loads of regrets. <laughs> really? Okay, I can fast forward. I can fast forward through the bit, but you know what it is? I think the point is it is what it is and onward for next exactly. season. Well, thanks to... Uh, we're done, by the way. We're done uh, for a couple of weeks. We are going to come back and do some summer stuff. Obviously, there'll be, uh, you know, 15 new signings to talk about in the next few weeks, and that's all very, very exciting. <laughs> in the meantime, uh, thanks to Amy Lawrence. Thanks to Adrian Clark. Also, thanks to James McNicholas and Art de Roche, who came, and Flo Lloyd-Hughes, I believe, came on one or two shows. Uh, so thanks to all of you guys. Uh, thanks to Abby, our producer. And thank you, Gooners, for listening to us witter on uh, for the season. We'll be back uh, after a couple of weeks when we just take a well-earned uh, <laughs> break, I think. And um, see you soon. Ta-ra. We'll be back and Stoney will be more optimistic than ever. <laughs> see ya. Thomas Frank was kissing children at the end and they're all singing <laughs> Hey Jude. And I'm thinking this is the worst thing I have ever watched. January's been one little hit in the solar plexus after another. The one huge glaring issue is how this team reacts to setbacks. My realistic expectation is fifth or sixth, so Europa League. It was mayhem. It just felt very unlike normal games at the Emirates. It's And then obviously the leap was just, I mean, that he, he has to have a photograph of that save on his wall. Well, it is Madison, and it's a brilliant save again from Ramsdale and off the line by Partey. I don't think it gets any better than that. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was the centre of a dramatic deadline day saga, which ended with him joining Barcelona on a free transfer from Arsenal. But Arteta's never bought a forward. It's one of those things that you go, that is an hour and a half of my life I'm not getting back. And it, a plus, sure, we're yeah, talking like about Imagine it. me in the double duvet sheet trying to figure out where the corners are. 
bumping into stuff. <laughs> Thinking I mean, this nice. is more fun than watching that last night. The majority of our game, as you mentioned before, was getting the ball out to Saka or Martinelli and hooking it across to the apparition of Olivier Giroud, which didn't seem like a particularly sensible tactic. Lacazette, Pepe, Alexander Lacazette! 95 minutes, There's no doubt the crowd at the Emirates are happy as well. It's a very happy feeling at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, don't play Liverpool on Wednesday night there. <laughs> <laughs> Football's a brutal, ruthless game, isn't it? Just think of us, kids, as some sort of bread poultice, all right? What we'll do for the next half an hour is we'll suck the poison out. Give a little love and it all comes back to you. The Athletic.